You know how hard that is to tell somebody you're too old to insert thing here? Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits. But we start with breaking news from Hollywood. People stabbed. It uh, looks like we're coming to a stop out here. The door is open. This guy is getting out of the vehicle. What? Oh, he's got a gun. He has got a gun. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is not going to end very well. That's, That's why I'm voting Taurus. for Eric Garcetti. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits on KFI. Oh, man. Hey, uh, Super Hyper Local Sunday. Welcome, everybody, to Sunday night. Between now and 10 p.m., we will uh, wrap up all the news that affected all of us here in the Southland. The 19 million of us that live from Santa Barbara south to San Diego, where there was a, a, a brief report of an active shooter uh, early this morning, in uh, apparently sort of uh, towards the beginning of the Rock and Roll Marathon, which I've never heard of, but as an annual event in San Diego, and uh, it's <clears throat> it was hard to separate the wheat from the chaff early on. It was just active shooter, Ermagerd, everyone pray for everyone, and then it, it it came out pretty early on that it was a woman on a rooftop. She threw the weapon down. And then it came out that it wasn't a weapon. It was an airsoft gun, which fires a little pellet. And then it came out that a San Diego police officer uh, shot himself in the foot during the, uh, the entire uh, encounter. So this is, uh, this is how it, this is, this is, I guess, everything we know coming out of uh, San Diego from the story earlier today. Panic in downtown San Diego as a woman fired an airsoft gun and held it to her head inside of a parking garage near the city's rock and roll marathon route. Officers chased the woman to the top of the structure. They say she pointed a weapon at them and they fired at her but missed and eventually took her into custody. The marathon had to be stopped for about 10 minutes while this was going on. One officer wound up shooting himself in the foot in the midst of it all. Detectives now looking into whether this incident is connected to a kidnapping in Chula Vista. So they're going to be peeling that onion for uh, a little bit. I, I guess we'll see. So to unpack this, if you don't know what airsoft is, airsoft is a thing that uh, that geeks play, um, and they spend a lot of money on on scale weapons. I mean, from uh, except for the fact that they come out of the box with a bright orange plastic tip at the barrel. They are otherwise, from 10 feet away, uh, they're designed to be, and you are paying for them to be virtually indistinguishable from the real weapon. Uh, they weigh the same, they're balanced the same, and any cop who takes a shot at someone who points an airsoft at him, um, if I'm on that jury, or if, if they're even uh, charged, they, they walk away, because those, those weapons are designed to look like their real-life counterparts. And so there's a thing now where, where people... Paint the orange tip. Uh, right. Black. Yeah. Of course. Is it a pump or is it CO2? Well, it depends on what... Uh, most airsoft actually have an electric motor. Oh. And then when you depress the trigger and Falada goes... And it goes... And it shoots out these little BBs. Remember, in Marin County, I want to say about five or six years ago, there was a 14-year-old boy <clears throat> walking to his friend's house with his AK-47 airsoft. Um, uh, Tip painted black? I, uh, as I recall, it was. And the uh, deputy showed up, and it just went, it just went one, two, three. He, he yelled at the guy, drop it, drop it, drop it. The, the, the kid um, uh, took the weapon and, and put it in a ready position. Instead of just dropping it, uh, the kid took the weapon off his shoulder because he spent 300 bucks on it, mm. and he was going to set it down gently, and the cop took the shots and killed the guy. And the parents were all outraged and the whole thing, and how come he shot so fast, and what did they think it was? It was just a toy gun. Uh, sorry, but you if you show someone who did eight tours in Afghanistan, an airsoft AK-47, from, from 20 feet away, and you tell them your life is on the line. Is that real or not? Well, you always bet in favor of your life. And if it looks like it wants to be a gun, it wants to be a gun. So this woman's really lucky. And, you know, if the San Diego police missed, they missed. That's the only reason that she is not, uh, she didn't take a trip feet first to the old morgue. Um, she, she clearly tried to commit police suicide here. Um, and I'd like to see the weapon. I, I don't know if San Diego police are going to uh, show that or not. But uh, so anyway, that's and then also, how does the marathon get held up for ten minutes? Just ten minutes? Just 
This was resolved in 10 minutes. They That's actually, all? They chased her up the parking garage to the top floor. Um, and d- didn't the movie end like that? Wasn't there? Wasn't that uh, not Heat? But I thought there was a movie that ended on top of a parking garage. But uh, And it all happened. One, two, three. She puts the weapon up. They fire. They miss. She throws it down. And at some point, an uh, officer shoots himself in the foot. So he needs to maybe retrain there. Um, and uh, if you recall from last night, that FBI officer in Denver who was dancing drunk at a bar and he did a backflip and lost his weapon on the floor. Then he picked it up and fired around and wounded a, a bar patron. Um, the FBI is not commenting on that. Oh, my. Not yet. It's he, not Monday yet, but he, he was a dumbass. And he was released into the custody of an FBI supervisor is what I heard. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, a guy who tried to kill himself uh, by police bullets, uh, however, in Torrance, succeeded. Oh. So um, here's how this goes down. Man in the parking lot in front of the Planet Fitness in Torrance, shirtless, wielding and waving a knife. Oh, by the way, he has a snake with him. Torrance police show up, and they suspect there may be some mental issues. Um, They try to contact the guy. Um, He is unintelligible. He's yelling. He's agitated. He's sitting down for a while. He's not complying with Torrance PD. Uh, they use some less than lethal on him, uh, tear, the little tear gas balls, et cetera, um, and that does not work. Uh, he charges cops with a knife. He's shirtless with a knife, and he's, the snake is now gone. They shoot him dead. He got what he wanted. Um, this was uh, the CBS Channel 2 report. I mean, on that. just began searching this green Saturn. It could be connected to the suspect. A check of the license plate comes back to a very common name. Meantime, witnesses are sharing some pretty crazy. Which, by the way, that's that's her code word for Hispanic. See stories what? from <laughs> the check of the license plate came back with a very common license name. Plate comes back to a very common name. Meantime, witnesses are sharing some pretty crazy stories from here today. It's not long they say duck that dog. this man, they saw him ranting and raving and running around with a knife. At one point, someone heard him yell to police, "You can shoot me." So I have on channel seven. I forgot the call letters. They uh, they have enhanced audio. In this, the guy is on his knees. He, he takes a tear gas pellet to the chest. It puffs like baby powder. Doesn't doesn't phase him. Wouldn't that hurt? It, it should. I mean, knock it you should down. should raise a welt. He jumps up on his feet, puts his arms up, and he actually yells, less than lethal, Holmes. And then he turns around. You can hear this clearly. He turns around, um, walks, uh, walks very fast, straight-legged, aggressively walks towards the cops at their Torrance uh, Police uh, Ford Explorer, and they go one, two, three, four, five, and they uh, take him out. Dory, this rally is just about to get underway here. It's inter- oh no, it's a different thing. Okay, here's the enhanced audio. The first pop you hear is the tear gas pellet exploding on this guy's chest. Right here. Ouch. He's pretty buzzed because those things aren't even affected. So that that's the guy. Less you lethal, you hear him go yeah. woo hoo. Uh, and then he says, less, less lethal, Holmes. Then he starts walking. One, two, three, four, five. That's unfortunate. And he's down. He got what he wanted. How old was he? he, he uh, they don't, they don't know. They, he has a very common name. So you can't, you can't go by uh, other people with that name. But uh, how old was he? Well, not one second older than around 8.45 this morning. So we'll uh, Oh, we'll that see. happened at 8.45. This Sunday morning, 8.45. I think I'll take my shirt off and go wacky in a parking lot with my pet snake, waving a <laughs> knife around until the police show up. Uh, so we'll figure that out. Uh, wow. Bob Lindsay's running for sheriff in L.A. County. We'll be joined by him here in just a second. The, uh, the primary in our top two, it, it works for the county seats, the state seats. Uh, that's coming up here on June 5th. There's early voting. There was early voting today in, uh, in Palmdale, but if you're mail-in, uh, you, you can mail it in any time between now and June 5th. But we will talk with Bob Lindsay for Sheriff right after this. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits in here until 10 p.m. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian suits in here until uh, 10 p.m. Well, June 5th is our primary here in our top two state. And that means every race from uh, from governor right on down to dog catcher and uh, a, 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 a ritual that we do here in 
California, pretty much uh, every state, is we elect our sheriff. Um, and Bob McDonald has been uh, the sheriff now for one term. He's up for re-election. But he has a challenger, and his challenger is Bob Lindsay, a uh, if, if I do the math right, 39-year veteran of uh, different departments of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, Bob Lindsay, joins us. Uh, and, and am I right about that? You have 39 years under your belt in, in L.A. County alone. Yes, I do, Brian, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, so the issue, because most people in L.A. County are frankly not affected by the sheriff. Most people have LAPD. They have, uh, you know, Burbank, you know, whatever. But we elect, but people not affected by the sheriff's department still, uh, still elect the sheriff. The you contend that morale is in the complete pooper, and that that would affect the residents of, of L.A. If the L.A. County Sheriff's Department's morale is in the pooper, is is it in the pooper? Well, it's it's way below that. I mean, I, I think they've removed the toilet. But let me let me just clarify something because the sheriff's department does impact every single area. Because even if you have a great police agency like LAPD or any other you know private agency like Covina, or you can go out to San Gabriel, Manhattan Beach, when their officers arrest somebody, they are ultimately given to the sheriff of Los Angeles County. And if the sheriff fails to keep people in jail, which is what this sheriff is doing then that means he impacts every city in Los Angeles County just simply because he has control of the jails. So when he fails at the jails, he fails every city, and that's why anybody who lives anywhere in L.A. County has the right to vote, and they need to vote on June 5th. And this is uh, something that Bob McDonald hasn't admitted to, and he avoids in press conferences, is that the property crime rate has skyrocketed in the last two and three years, because of Prop 47, Prop 57, but what what can he do if the jail is packed to the gills with these state prisoners that they're releasing? What can the L.A. County Sheriff do to keep those guys in jail? Well, it's packed to the gills with state prisoners, and, and we need to utilize the jails that we currently have. We have closed jails, but the fact is he can't open anything or, or increase his bed space because he hasn't hired deputies. He didn't realize he had to do that for the first three years. You know, back when I worked in the sheriff's department, I hired, you know, thousands of deputies. And we had four background teams totaling about 48 deputies that were constantly hiring to keep up with what we needed to do. When he came in, he started depleting the resources out of there, and he ended up with about seven deputies in there. So when he did that, the problem was he, he cut off the hiring. And now it's catching up. So there's no deputies out in patrol. I mean, they're short 1,200 to 1,500 deputies right now. So, so and when, the service. When, yeah, he, when he ran and he was Long Beach uh, chief, his whole shtick was, I'm an outsider and I'm going to come in there with uh, new eyes and new approaches and the whole thing. And, and your, your contention, just like with most, most uh, bureaucracies, that you know how the thing runs. And he did not. And his, his lack of ex- expertise and experience is is what's running L.A. County Sheriff's Department aground. Well, I'll tell you, I've got 39 years in the system, and I'm still learning each and every day. I hear things from deputies, sergeants, lieutenants, captains, and I'm still going, you know, I shake my head going, wow, I didn't know that one. But the bottom line is this is the biggest sheriff's department in the, in the country. And when you think it, coming in from the outside, you can actually navigate it, it's an impossibility, and he has shown that it's an impossibility. In fact, I just call this, to be honest with you, a bad experiment. Um, he's hurt a lot of people inside the department, not just deputies, but the community. And, you know, we gave statistics, and I'd be happy to send them into your program, but we sent statistics to the L.A. Times, and violent crime is up. It's really up. I mean, when you start looking at total crime, which is what he's claiming, uh, is down, but when you look at the violent crime and you start focusing in on that, he's got a real problem. It's raised up over sixty percent over his tenure. And this is because he can't keep them in Twin Towers because he doesn't have other open jails because he's not hiring deputies because he's, he's not running the department right. Well, he doesn't know how to. If you think about it, he never turned a key on a lock in a jail, uh, and then he became the sheriff of the largest system in the country short of New York. But I mean, when you start thinking about, he had zero experience. Even when he was on the jail commission, I wondered why he was placed there. Look, there's a rape prevention act uh, that he is supposed to be following. So he should know that. And here we have women being raped 
in the jail under color of authority, and his excuse was he didn't have enough money or enough personnel. Well, there's no excuse for that. You have a Rape Prevention Act you have to follow, and you can't make excuses. You just need to, to follow the law. Um, uh, we, have, we have about uh, two minutes here, so something that affects K, uh, KFI listeners, L.A. County residents, is the shall issue versus may issue, the, the ability to get a concealed carry permit in California. And I don't get the feeling that uh, this current sheriff is a real huge fan of armed citizens uh, uh, enjoying their, their rights. Um, what, what would a Sheriff Bob Lindsay uh, administration do in regards to L.A. County concealed carry? Well, I believe in shall issue and self-defense is good cause. But to responsible people who go through a proper background, proper training, they can shoot and, of course, then qualify. They'll qualify to go ahead and, and be issued that. Not everybody wants a CCW, and I understand that, and that's okay. But the people who do want it should be provided their Second Amendment rights so that they can go out and protect those who don't. The bottom line is this. Bad guys get guns. Bad girls get guns. I will tell you, in my career, I never arrested anybody who was carrying a gun that actually belonged to them. It always had the serial numbers uh, shaved off, or it was a stolen gun. Um, well, so the, uh, the the primary is this June 5th, and uh, everyone, uh, you, you, you got your ballot in the mail, or go to your physical uh, place there, but it's it's uh, something that means a lot to me because I'm I am serviced by the LA County Sheriff's Department and my friends that are wearing the badge they don't have anything good to say about the the uh, the the place right now because of the administration so uh, so best of luck Bob Lin- and the website's Bob Lindsay for Sheriff right yeah Bob the number four Sheriff dot com in fact we've had so many visitors it crashed today so crash it again we'd appreciate that um all right well good luck and um you're, you'll probably make it to the to the final two so we'll talk to you between now and november and either way we'll uh, i'll give you a call okay god bless brian god bless everybody else. all right thank you very much bob Lindsay for sheriff uh, is the number four uh sheriff.com is the uh website this is super hyper local sunday brian suits back right after this kfi am 640 more stimulating talk Six forty more stimulating talk. It is super hyper local Sunday. Brian sits in here until uh, ten p.m. and uh, we'll we'll get back to this. To- I'll play you that audio from Torrance uh, again. Bob Lindsay for sheriff. The website is Bob, Bob Lindsay L I N D S E Y. I'll send out a link. Uh, number four sheriff dot uh, com. I I don't know about you guys. Um, I, I I don't I don't you know we're all. We live around here. We don't get super excited when we see celebrities. But on Thursday night, I was coming back from my live Dark Secret Place show in Orange and came back through Burbank, and I popped into uh, a store um, for <clears throat> for stuff, and it's a store here in Toluca Lake. I go into the store. You know who was there in line behind me? And I don't know if you guys follow my Twitter feed, um, but I'm not, I'm not conceited enough to think you do. But if you do, you saw Thursday night, my celebrity run-in. Really? Um, I here's the problem. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. Uh, do you know the movie Heat well enough? I know it's been. It's a classic film, classic L.A. caper film. One of my all-time favorite movies is Heat. Michael Mann, you know, of course, directing Robert De Niro, the whole thing. But remember the scene where they go to the chop shop. You know, way out in the Inland Empire, and there's pit bulls and Mercedes, and and there's that informant that that Al Pacino, you know, reads in the riot act, and he says, "Hey, you said you know your source," and he says, "Hey, my brother's flying in from Phoenix. He'll be here tonight, and we're going to meet downtown on Alvarado." So Al Pacino at 3 a.m. goes to meet uh, the informant's brother because he wants to find out about um, this the uh, the guy who turns out to be. Uh, uh, well, one of the bad guys. Uh, okay, I guess. Long story short, Tone Loke. <laughs> Tone Loke. <laughs> I don't want to see the other thing is yeah, his other his other of course starring role was as a detective in Ace Ventura, police detective oh Ace Ventura, uh, wow. Hannibal detective. That remember him in Ace Ventura? But you remember his brief role in Heat? I don't remember. It was pretty good. 
Although rings a bell, actually. Oh, uh, it was it was pretty good, and I haven't screened uh, the clip for swearing, but from <laughs> so I'm not going to play it. But but as you recall, Tone Loke had a cameo as a car thief, and it was a it was a good piece. And he he gave the tip that broke open this the uh, the case for Al Pacino. So anyway, there he was. How uh, long did that scene last? Tone Loke, uh, about two, two three minutes, oh. and it's an iconic scene. And so there he was. And I got to say, if you look at my Twitter feed, what sucks is Tone Loke hasn't looked like he's aged a day since Ace Ventura. Um, really? No. But he was a good guy. I said, I said, hey, you know, do you mind? I said, you, hey, you were the guy <clears throat> that gave the, uh, the the tip in heat. I didn't go, hey, funky cold Medina right here. <laughs> Wild thing on my leg. Ooh. And all that. Because I figure if you're if you're a musician, you don't want to hear about your hits from 30 years ago. I no. think it's the best thing to do, too, when encountering a celebrity. You know, don't always approach them with the same thing they're going to get from everyone yeah. else. Yeah. You know? I bet he was flattered. <clears throat> Is that what you call uh, intoxicated? No. I oh, <laughs> if it is, you'd be absolutely correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, no, it was cool. It was, it was. I, I, I'm very low key with stuff like that. Was that at the TJ's? <clears throat> no, no, that was close. It was at another place, and I just said, "Hey, I loved you in Heat." Cool. And um, and he said, uh, "Yeah," and and then the the number one celebrity spotting that my daughter will she will make me pay for this for the rest of her life. She was six years old. She wasn't reading Harry Potter yet. We were at the Trader Joe's in Studio City, and Hermione was there. Emma Watson. Oh, my. I had never seen the movies, hadn't read the books. I just knew who she was, and I knew that my daughter someday was going to hit me in the face if I told her, oh, yeah, we ran into her at the Trader Joe's in Studio City. And so uh, anytime I want to vex her, I remind her that we were walking down the aisle, and I just did a little salute, and I went, Hermione, and she just... Tipped her head and kept walking. My daughter turned around, and looked at me, and went, "Who's that?" And I went, "You'll, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know in a couple of years. You'll know." She remembers the moment because she was so confused. And then I reminded her after she read the first Harry Potter book. I said, "Remember that day we were in Trader Joe's?" And I said, "Hermione," and she, <laughs> she's so mad at me. I'm like, "What am I gonna do? What were you supposed to do?" Then? Know, okay, yeah. you're right. Okay, stick with me now, honey. In, in the, the you're in going the to read, you're <laughs> going to read a series of books, and the books will lead to you watching these movies. And in the movies. This person here, much younger, was one of the uh, uh, one of the wizards that will be your favorite. So, so anyway, that's the selfie that never was. But the selfie that I got Thursday night, Tone Loke, everybody, <laughs> Tone Loke, and his lady companion was calling him Tony. Uh, <clears throat> we all know that that that's uh, he's Tony Loco, but uh, Tone Loke, everybody. Well, that constitutes a break. Um, well, when we come back, uh, yeah, we'll play this audio again from Torrance. This guy in the parking lot shirtless with a snake and an aquarium and oh by the way a knife police come try to disarm him try to talk to him he apparently wanted to get killed he told he told the police they could shoot him um and then he put him in a position where they pretty much had to so we'll play the audio again there's more information on that i didn't hear about the aquarium part yeah they uh the aquarium in the audio the aquarium he brought the aquarium out of the car so he's who drives around shirtless with an aquarium with a snake well if you got a snake i guess you got to have a place to put it and they couldn't find the snake by the way gone Oh, we don't even know what it was. So uh, more on that than when we come back. And also, uh, not the first, this morning's airsoft run-in at the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon. Not the only airsoft San Diego police call in the last 24 hours. Hmm. So there, it's spreading. Uh, that and more coming up. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits filling, filling in. Brian Suits hosting, because <laughs> it's my show, uh, until 10 p.m. Then uh, we'll talk to George Norrie in Coast to Coast. Uh, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. AM 6:48 more stimulating talk. It is super hyper local Sunday. Brian sits in here until 10 p.m. and uh, going over all the stories that matter before they disappear into the uh, the, uh, the the Monday morning mist. Apparently foggy overnight, I guess. Um, so LeBron James and the Cavaliers are down uh, zero to two to the Golden State Warriors. We'll talk with Kevin Figures. El Sportsball Caliente about that uh, next hour. But I do have a clip from the uh, LeBron appearance at the podium tonight. So he's back to his normal sunny self this year. Here, this this poor idiot is trying to ask if uh, if being 0-2, this is, this is the third time you've been 0-2, are, are there any lessons to be learned 
NBC News Radio. LeBron, you've been in the situation three years in a row now, 02. Um, can you draw back on some of those experiences uh, in terms of your strategy going forward? No. Can I? There you go. <laughs> I, I, if I were him, I would just simply say sadtrombone.com. And I would buy that site from those guys. I this is one thing that always annoys me about about um uh, about sports reporters is that they want they want to ask the best question, and so and they want to be they want other reporters to nod and go shh wow good that was good that was good there's he's 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 owned two for the third year in a row. That this reminds me when I interview five year olds. It was like you put the microphone in front of them and they go, "Are you having fun?" Yeah. yeah. That's all I, I got. I like turtles. <laughs> you ever see that kid up in Portland? <laughs> you Google that. I like turtles. <laughs> that's, that's the greatest interview ever. <laughs> NBC News Radio. LeBron, you've been in the situation three years in a row now, 02. Um, can you. you draw back on some of those experiences uh, in terms of your strategy going forward? No. No. Ken on the right side? No. <laughs> no. No. It's double no. Double no. Uh, well, all right, let's go back to Torrance this morning at or about 8.45 a.m. Uh, and police call, are called. There is a agitated man. He's shirtless. He has an aquarium outside of his car. Uh, you, you heard me right, an aquarium. The one is, there's no water in it. Isn't it a terrarium? So he has a, he has a glass yeah. rectangle without a top, and uh, there's a snake in it, and he's taking the snake out, putting the snake back in, riding the snake uh, around the lake. Um, but he's, he's playing with the snake, if you know what I'm saying. And while wielding a knife, um, s- some people in the, uh, in the parking lot are uh, obviously uh, a little scared of this guy. They call police. Police show up. He won't communicate back and forth. Uh, he's making statements like, I want you to shoot me. You can shoot me. Things like that. They have all this less than lethal stuff. They have, uh, they have a beanbag shotguns. Uh, they have the tear gas pellets, the the whole thing. And and for people who don't know this, when a suspect has a knife, and, and police have guns, and uh, thing one, you don't allow the person within ten feet of you because somebody with a knife can. Kill. Yes, you have a bulletproof vest, but believe it or not, it's not knife proof. Um, and also, your neck is exposed and all that. So, a, so a knife is a lethal weapon to a cop. A cop can shoot if you have a knife. A cop can shoot you. If you're 100 feet away, you're not a threat. If you're 10 feet away, you become a threat. And if you close the distance with a knife towards a cop and they cannot back up, uh, or if backing up puts them in peril, they will shoot you. Uh, And so before anyone says, oh, he was unarmed or whatever, I'm sorry he's shirtless. And he was hit several times with less than lethal. It had no effect. And then he came at them with a knife stating um, that uh, that he was here for the violence. Uh, so here's the audio again. You hear, hear the pop. That is the tear gas. Uh, that's an air gun with a tear gas pellet. Hits his chest, and it explodes, but it looks like baby powder, and there's no effect on him. Um, the only effect is that after he's hit in the chest, and he should be going, ow, 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 but he's, he, he's on one knee. He stands up and turns his back to the police, and starts yelling and whooping, and he yells less lethal. I guess he, I guess he means less than lethal. He yells less lethal, lethal homes, and then he turns around and starts quickly walking towards the officers, and one officer fires five rounds from less than four feet. By the time he's shooting, it's less than four feet away. So let, let's, let's go back to the pop and the tear gas. Yeah, he's pretty buzzed. So he stands up, starts yelling. Now he's walking towards the cop. There you go. End uh, end of story. So uh, the car has been there all day long. They search the car. Forensics search the car and all that. That's one thing that we found in the story is that uh, they can't uh, can't find the snake now. So no no word on what kind of snake it was. Um, the air, the lady who held up or s- b- delayed the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon um, by brandishing an airsoft pistol and then holding it to her own head uh, and then threatening officers with it. They fired at her. They missed. It turns out to be an airsoft. It, w- there was another airsoft incident uh, on uh, the night before 
Police arrested a man after receiving calls from neighbors about him shouting obscenities and brandishing a realistic-looking rifle and a Russian flag outside of his San, uh, San Carlos home Saturday evening. Santiago police told Fox 5 down there they received the call around 6.30 p.m., arrived to find the man with gun and flag in hand on the 7400 block of Rodel Court. Police eventually determined the rifle was an airsoft pellet gun, took the man in for mental health evaluation. Uh, officers took a cautious tack in taking the man into custody, waited a few blocks away while a police helicopter circled the area after a brief standoff. Uh, and apparently some rude gestures from the man. The air gun was put away in the garage, and the man was handcuffed by officers. So cops are allowed to think that's a real gun. If you act like it's a real gun and it looks like a real gun, they're allowed to believe it's a real gun. So Well, uh, they're supposed to. They better, yeah. And and then uh, I have a, a hot tip from uh, the owner of Tactical Pro Shop right here in Burbank, on the Burbank Boulevard. Just go up Hollywood Way, uh, turn, uh, turn east on Burbank Boulevard, look for parking. Um, and he said that they're so realistic that they're used in films all the time. Because if you have a real gun, even with blanks, you have to have a gun wrangler. But if you have airsoft, uh, all you do is take the orange tip off. Um, <clears throat> and he says, we use airsoft extensively for film props. The orange markings are required at the time of sale. They do not stay on long. Um, so, yeah, you, you think real hard before your kids say, oh, I want an airsoft. And also the things, uh, the most... Uh, uh, successful brands are made in Japan. The deal is in in Japan, you can't own guns, period. Uh, so what the Japanese do, they're the ones who started these hyper-realistic uh, gun replicas to, in weight, scale, appearance, and material. They do everything except actually fire. They lack a firing pin. They lack a serviceable barrel and all that. But otherwise, if you held up one of these replica weapons that are sold in Japan left and right to, to a GI or a Marine... They would say that's a weapon. Are they heavy in metal? They, they are identical. They are just like an mm. empty M4 carbine is 6.1 pounds. The Japanese replica is 6.1 pounds. Wow. And and uh, if you threw it at someone and said who, who had spent a lifetime holding them, they would say, yep, this is why it functions the same way. It just can't shoot a bullet. Well, they, then then the Japanese went one bigger. They put little you know motorized pellet shooters in them, and that's how you get airsoft. Uh, and they, they I, I would never... Let my kid run around a neighborhood with one loves. And it's not even a misdemeanor to alter it with the orange. Tip. I, th I believe it is now. Oh, really? I think in, in California, California, I think probably. it is. Yeah, I think that was something that happened after that kid up in Marin County uh, was killed uh, carrying what it looked like an AK 47. So uh, when we come back, we have a murder in San Fernando Valley, and it was just an hour after I was gassing up in Silmar, about a block away. I'll tell you my brush with, well, <laughs> I really have no connection to this, but uh, we'll get to this uh, next hour. Also, Kevin Figures, our uh, sports guy, is going to talk a little LeBron and a lot of Justin Turner as the Dodgers seem to have turned it around. That more coming up. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian suits in here until 10 p.m. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Uh, in terms of your strategy going forward, no. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits. But we start with breaking news from Hollywood. People stabbed and shot inside. Yeah, we the are at uh, Melrose Avenue and Rossmore. Back here is uh, off-duty sheriff's deputies are directed to contact. Earthquake. Yep, We're having an earthquake. And now we see more smoke billowing out of the window. And now coming from the driver's side. So it does appear that he's smoking. Getting hot. Wildfires in Southern California burned about a thousand And I am homes, telling each and every one of you right now, this is the last new ownership press conference I will ever attend. It looks like we're coming to a stop out here. The door is open. This guy is getting out of the vehicle. What? Oh, he's got a gun. He's got a gun. Sure does. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is not going to end very well. That's why I'm voting for Eric Garcetti. Super Hyper Local Sunday with Brian Suits on KFI. KFI AM 640 more stimulating talk. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday, hour number two. Brian Sutton here until 10 p.m. with producer Joey Murata, Josh Saylor in the other room, and then uh, Michael Chappé. Uh, George Nori will join us at 10, right before 10 and give us a heads up on what's going to happen on Coast to Coast uh, tonight. Well, when I go home, I mean, it's, I know it's not always about me. Unless, of course, it is. But on Saturday nights, when, when I go home, I go up the 170, which apparently there is no law enforcement on that road whatsoever. There's no apparently the laws don't work. It's on the honor system. 
because people are ripping up and down, you know, with their neon undercarriage lights, oh. LED undercarriage lights, and the and the GoPro cameras all over their uh, their vehicles. But when the 170 merges with I-5, <clears throat> if you stay in the far right lane, you exit uh, at uh, at Osborne. And uh, that's I, I have a app called Gas Buddy, and it shows you by map or by address where the cheapest gas is. And it really, it actually, it's paid for. Well, it's, I think it's free, but it is worth it checking it out because prices do change right now, so they're crazy expensive. So consistently, there is an AMPM right there at Laurel Canyon and Osborne, and this is that weird part of LA where Laurel Canyon runs, so, you know. Parallel to I-5. Um, but so at Osborne and Laurel Canyon, there's this AMPM. And it's it's janky. I mean, it is it is sketchy. It is really, really, really sketchy. Is it really worth it then? Well, so far. Yeah, I haven't been shot yet. And apparently I just avoided that by about an hour last night. Oh, my. Um, so, and, I'll, and also when I'm there, uh, you know, there are, it, you know, it, it is Silmar. You do hear pop, 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 pop. That's like a single action Colt 45 there, Wyatt. <laughs> there, Doc. <laughs> Doc Sailor. Um, no, get get an AK sound. Because I, 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 pr I promise you I have heard AK fire in single uh, there. But what I do is I pay at the pump. I do not go in. I, I, even for the cash discount, I pay at the pump. Um, I pump the gas. I save the money. And then I get the hell out of there. So last night at that AMPM, a man who was shot dead by two gunmen in the overnight hours Sunday in Arlita, that's what they call it. I call it Silmar, and it's all Silmar. The shooting occurred about 1.50 a.m. at Osborne and Laurel Canyon. According to LAPD's media relations section, the location is just east of the Golden State Freeway. Well, I did, did a better, better description there, right? The shooting victim, a man about 25 to 30, was standing on a street corner when the gunman walked up and fired the fatal shots. The victim was pronounced dead at the scene, she said, and a motive for the shooting was not immediately known. And guess what? No one saw nothing. So there's uh, there's that. What a, what a shocker. There were no witnesses, and even if there were, they didn't see nothing. But The, the guy was a pedestrian, right? I'm standing, just standing, there, standing yeah. there on the corner. Two guys walk up and just uh, cap him in the pumpkin. Holy and and uh, so, in other words, paramedics, no heroic measures, no nothing. They, they call it right there on the scene, and, and they can do that. But it has to be... Really, really obvious. So anyway, there, there's, there's that. So, uh, yeah, my wife asked me the same question that you did. Why is it worth it? Why do you go to that yeah, one? Like, yeah. is it so cheap? Well, you know, what would you save a buck fifty? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's, it, it adds up. <laughs> um, uh, it Wildemar Pizza in the uh, in the IE uh, Riverside County Sheriff's deputy um is in in this picture working the scene guests inside stadium pizza 32278 clinton keith road said two men involved in an incident shortly after 3 p.m knew each other they were awaiting they were awaiting them to join their group and the shooting occurred um this is in the parking lot of wildemar pizza uh, leaving one man apparently dead and another arrested sunday afternoon as opposed to the guy in silmar who was very clearly dead uh, one witness who declined to give his name said that the shooter fired four rounds at the victim who was seated in a compact car. The victim screamed, no. The shooter walked away, returned, and fired two more times. Um, the one man was slumped motionless in the driver's seat of the car, unattended, uh, with the driver's side rear window of the car uh, blown out. This is this is just this afternoon, 3 p.m. here uh, this uh, Sunday afternoon. So it was um, uh, 8, 8.45 in Torrance. Shirtless snake guy gets his wish, and police uh, shoot him. And then we have the pizza shooting there um, in uh, in Riverside. And and still, though, it, it, this is something that I, I just have to point this out. Um, in, in Chicago, in a place, uh, you know, with far, far less population, uh, maybe more population density, but in Chicago this weekend, there's two dead and something like 35 wounded. Uh, in in gunfire, and we we uh, I could sit here and do stories about wounded, but there's not more than ten any weekend. So so here we are in Los Angeles, awash in illegal guns, and and for some reason we don't kill each other at the Chicago rates. Uh, so there tragedy in the Palmdale School District, um, or in a school district in Palmdale, the Antelope Valley Union uh, High School District, with only a week left. Um, for uh, the end of school, a beloved teacher from Palmdale died in uh, a climbing accident in Yosemite. This is the the two dead that died over the weekend. We were waiting for their identification. Well, one of them was 
Tim Klein uh, of Palmdale lost his life in a climbing accident on Saturday. He was a beloved and highly respected teacher from Palmdale. In fact, Klein was named Teacher of the Year for the uh, AV Union High School District only a week prior to the fatal fall this last week. He was a world-class climber, uh, evidently. Uh, Betsy Sanchez, the Director of Communications for the AV Union High School District, uh, said, We are all heartbroken and mourn the loss of Tim Klein. He was an extraordinary human being, and all those who knew him have been touched in so many ways. Uh, His wife told NBC4 that there's still a lot of uncertainty about how the accident had happened. He was a elite, 42 years old, an elite-level climber, and his wife said he holds the Guinness World Record. And check this out. This The guy, the Palmdale teacher who died on Yosemite on Saturday, held holds the Guinness World Record for fastest indoor climb to the height of Mount Everest. So this guy, <clears throat> using an artificial wall, did it enough times to equal 29,000 feet. What, what, Everest is like 29,321, something like that. This guy held the world record, the Guinness World Record, for doing that, uh, climbing as high as Mount Everest indoors. Wow. According to her, he had climbed El Capitan more than 100 times. And oh, my. Yeah, he, he's, he's one of these guys, and I know being a former rock climber, <clears throat> there, there are these guys who do it as a religion. And, and you get up there, uh, and if, if you are not worthy Focus. of being on that rock, they won't let you up there. And, yeah, they're, they're, that place is a mecca for climbers uh, around the world. So is the speculation that they were uh, tethered to each other? One goes. Well, they then... they were, but then that's the thing is when you climb like that, you anchor, uh, and and your anchors are supposed to be set, and they're supposed to uh, stop. They're supposed to arrest your fall, uh, and then your partner arrests your fall. So it, it it's every once in a while, no matter how good the gear is, sometimes the gear is guilty, um, and and sometimes the humans are guilty. But uh, and and let me recommend a phenomenal documentary, Valley Uprising phenomenal documentary about the early days in the 70s of rock climbing in Yosemite, uh, including the guy Royal Robbins, who, who I used to know in Modesto, who owns the Royal Robbins clothing company. But he was one of the first guys up El Capitan uh, and Half Dome and all that terrific documentary called uh, called uh, Valley Uprising. So uh, anyway, Tim Klein, world-class climber, uh, dead, and, and uh, Palmdale High School, Palmdale, the beloved teacher in Palmdale, dead. Uh, in Yosemite over the weekend. We'll be back right after this. Some car mishaps. Uh, also, uh, in South L.A., a fatal bicyclist. Uh, we'll get to that and more. It is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian sits in here until 10 p.m. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. KFI AM, 640 more stimulating talk. It is Super Happy Local Sunday. Brian sits in here until 10 p.m. And uh, we have a South L.A. shooting approximately the same time that the two guys walked up to the guy in the street corner in Silmar last night and shot him in the head and walked away. Um, in South L.A., a man riding a bicycle was shot and killed after an assailant drove up alongside him and opened fire in South L.A. This was early Sunday morning. The victim was not immediately identified riding his bike in the 200 block of East 95th Street shortly after midnight when he was shot, according to Officer Norma Eisenman, the LAPD uh, spokesman who also uh, did the Silmar shooting. So a busy, busy Sunday morning for uh, Officer uh, Norma. The suspect or suspects drove up alongside the bicyclist and fired several rounds from inside the vehicle. The victim, who was in his late 20s, was pronounced dead at the scene. It was not immediately clear whether the victim was targeted or the shooting was gang-related. Police did not describe the vehicle. Um, So either either they don't know or uh, whatever. But uh, it is here's the thing, and I'll I'll, I'll check uh, our our gang expert, Tony Moreno. Um, uh, about this, but the, these two shootings, one in Silmar, and uh, this this one, a random shooting of a guy uh, on a bike. They they have a certain mo to them that we saw a couple of years ago, almost nine years ago uh, or so. And I'm just I'm curious about the the race of the victim, um, and I'm curious about the race of the uh, suspected shooters. So uh, we'll uh, we'll put those in the. Um, the un- unclosed business file. We'll uh, follow those up 
next weekend for you. Um, you know what, man? I got to say, uh, the more I go to Koreatown, the more I like those folks. Um, and besides having those awesome, they have those buffet barbecues where you, you buy the one menu and they just keep bringing meat and you just barbecue it and until you're full. Right, right at your own oh, table. Yeah, you yeah. sit there with tongs. And the fire pit and everything. Right? Uh, yeah, with yeah. the grill. Yeah. And when it gets too dirty, they'll change it out for you. And they'll keep refilling your your height, your Korean beer or your Asahi what? or whatever. And you just sit there, Ooh. vegetables, pickled vegetables, all that. I, I love Korean barbecue. Love that stuff. And you can tell in K-Town, those folks really, really appreciate and value the the opportunities that they have here in America. And so now the uh, Seattle, pardon me, Seattle, practically the Seattle City Council, the L.A. City Council is going to uh, occupy Koreatown with a homeless camp. Hmm. And um, Amy Powell down the street from Channel 7, I forgot the call letters, uh, was down there because it was a rally in Koreatown, um, a anti-homeless shelter, whatever the hell they're calling it, rally. Oh, that's my way here. It's interesting. Just in the last few minutes, we've had several hundred people show up. They've gotten onto Wilshire Boulevard, where this rally will be held. We're right here at Wilshire and Vermont. Uh, several hundred people here at this point. Many more expected to possibly thousands to take part. Now, this scares the living crap out of Garcetti and the L.A. City Council, because these folks have money. Um, they will write checks to someone who will uh, deliver a livable city to them, uh, and they will they will write checks to someone who will unelect the a-hole that's imposing a homeless shelter on them. Um, they have money, and they have discovered recently that that when active, when they get out to the streets, like the Antifa punks or whatever, they get listened to. Like down in Irvine, a month ago in Irvine, um, which is now rapidly, it's becoming uh, the, the fastest-growing Asian minority city in America, a primarily Asian immigrant activist group went out to the site where they want to put homeless in Irvine, and they had a rally too. They said, no, not here. This is a livable place. We pay a, a metric buttload of money to for police and services. That's why Irvine's livable, so don't do this crap here. Now you got people in, in, in K-Town and Koreatown coming out realizing, hey, it worked in Irvine. We're going to take to the streets in Los Angeles and see how these guys like their own medicine because they don't want a homeless shelter scaring away business in Koreatown. In, in the uh, Channel 7 report, there's full-on tents being pitched on sidewalks. And you know what's really weird? The tents are all the same model, the same yeah. manufacturer. I wonder, if, is the city of L.A. giving away tents? Somebody might to, be. Ho, to hobos? And then the other thing I realized in watching these two stories over the past month here in Southern California, watching this story in Irvine evolve, and then watching the story today in Koreatown. In this rally, these people want to talk about this proposed homeless shelter the city has proposed to locate in this area. Now, they say they're certainly not opposed to... You know what I realized? How come I never see homeless Asians? Has anyone noticed that? Hmm. Why are the homeless, overwhelmingly dirtbag white men, black people and Hispanic people, why are there no homeless Asians? What what is the deal? Is there is there too much? Uh, is, is it shame? Uh, is it pride? Will will uh, will will they take any job there is before they go and take a crap on the sidewalk? Is it that? It, could it be that there's a, a societal norm um, amongst uh, Asian immigrants that no matter how bad it gets, you don't sleep on the frickin' sidewalk? Could that be it? Could we all be learning a lesson? L.A. keeps talking about solving homelessness. You that, can't solve that it. is complete BS. You just if you throw money at a thing, you get more of that thing. I learned that in Seattle. That's what made Seattle unlivable because Seattle threw money at homeless people and all they did was wipe their asses with hundred dollar bills. Okay. Now LA is doing this. We're now up to four hundred million dollars, and we're wondering how do you cure homelessness? You know what my my theory is? Ask an Asian. Ask them. Go go look in Skid Row all day long. By the way, the term Skid Row. That was that was uh, Jackson Street in Seattle. That was the, the first Skid Row. They used to drag logs down there to Elliott Bay. Skid Row was invented in Seattle. And Seattle invented Skid Row, okay? So I know a thing or two about it. Y you throw money at it here, you're just going to get more of it. So that's what I would do is I would put people from Koreatown on that commission. I, I want to ask them, you know, I look, uh, what, 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 what was the homeless population? It's down 3%. Isn't it like 80,000? Something like that. I'm sure somewhere at some point, someone in L.A. got paid to break it down racially. I'm really curious. 
I drive all around L.A. I drive all around the Valley, Burbank, Antelope Valley. I don't see homeless agents. What are they doing, and can we bottle it? What is the deal? And why would the city of L.A. take a gigantic dump on Koreatown? So you're saying it's cultural, possibly. That's my, that's my working theory. I'm here to tell you. And I don't think it's just me, but I believe that uh, there are more incidents of violence now, that they're empowered or something. Something's they're, going on. They own the streets. LAPD can't touch them. They're victims. They're, they have that. They have the shroud of victimhood. We'll be back in just a second. Uh, it is Super Hyper Local Sunday. Brian Suits here. Back in a moment. KFI M640. Michael Chappé with the news. More stimulating talk. It is super hyper local Sunday. Brian suits in here till 10 p.m. Let's bring on board El Sportsball Caliente, Kevin Figures from the FNA podcast, also the Petros and Money show on our sister station, KLAC, your home of the Doyers. So let's start with the Doyers because the, Doy- right. the Doyers are on Fuego. I have I didn't pay attention to every game this weekend until I saw David Vasse do a or no Petros tweeted out a gif of a of a guy with a push broom. <laughs> That's right. They yeah, very, off. very. Tell, tell him that was really original and clever. Extremely. And, nobody would, nobody could have thought of that. You can only get that creativeness from AM five seventy LA Sports and Petros Papadakis. Yeah, between the folksy anecdotes and the witty banter, I don't know uh, when I have time to pee. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do have to. He, he gave me a pair of their Petros Money Vans. Oh, sweet. Yeah, That's so amazing, I, Brian. See, I, I work on the show every day, and I don't even have a pair of those shoes. So that's I, pretty I, impressive. I, I gave him a dozen eggs. So I am, oh, well, that's nice. All right. I'm his slave. Well, apparently this uh, Justin Turner chap, um, uh, is is that – am I noticing that when Justin Turner came back, the Dodgers seemed to have a, a, a different uh, swagger? Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those things where you say, okay, one guy can't mean that much, right? I mean, the entire lineup was struggling so much offensively. And then he got injected back into the lineup when they were down in Miami a couple of weeks ago. And the offense, for the most part, has really stepped up despite some individuals still struggling a little bit. You get a little bit of a boost of confidence knowing that one of the best offensive third basemen in Major League Baseball is back in your lineup. So I think they kind of gave a shot in the arm. And you see guys like Chris Taylor is playing a lot better. You know, it just adds a little bit of extra oomph to the lineup that you have been missing all season long. So you can't discount the confidence that somebody like Justin Turner imbues into a lineup well, you know he's going to come in and give you professional at-bats like he did today uh, in that big ninth-inning rally in Colorado. You know, it was a ground out. They ended up scoring a run, but he made the pitcher work a little bit. And uh, and those are the kind of things that were missing from this lineup were really professional, great grind-out type of at-bats, and that's what Justin Turner offers you. And last night I turned it on. It was four-zip in the first inning. Uh, the the Doyers make it respectable, score two runs, and I figure, well, um, yeah, whatever, it's probably good right. by now. Eighth inning, or wait, what? Well, seventh inning, eight runs. Was it? That's right, eight runs. They lit it up. Matt Kemp with a home run. I mean, they got the all. And this is Colorado, by the way. So I feel like everything needs to be skewed or you know put an asterisk next to it when you talk about offensive explosions in Colorado. But it's a credit to this team. You know, a comeback win on Saturday after Walker Bueller, who had been so dominant for them, struggled a little bit early on. Uh, you know, they came back up today when they they got down by five runs earlier this week when they were back at home. They were down 4 nothing to the Philadelphia Phillies, and they had a comeback victory. So you're starting to see a little bit of the magic that they had last season when they rattled off all those wins, and they were having so many different heroes every single night with all these different walk-offs. You know, it's a little bit of, a, of Dodger magic, which is what they had last season. Whether or not they're that good to go on that kind of historic run like they did last year, I don't know if I'm ready to say that, but they're definitely a lot better than the 500 or one game under 500 team that they are right now. So probably no uh, Panic Brothers uh, this week, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, no, no Panic Brothers whatsoever, unless you're a big Cody Bellinger fan and you're not a fan of him being benched for the last two games. Oh, but- yeah, okay, yes, yeah, so I, did, I didn't even catch this. Cody, correct me if I'm wrong, Cody Bellinger a month and a half ago was benched because he didn't run out. Uh, a ball that turned out to be a, a triple, he trotted after he hit it because it looked, looked like a home run. Yeah, well, it was a double. It was in Triples Alley is a place that they call in, uh, in deep right center field over uh, at, at, uh, at the Giants' uh, home stadium. And he hit a double, and uh, Dave Roberts thought that he should have legged out a triple. Because but it, he went was... off, it went off the bat like it was out of Giants' stadium. 
Right. It, it flew off the bat, and he started with the trot and the looking. Oh, there's there's a donger, as the kids mm-hmm. say in the bull, in in the uh, dugout these days. But what happens up there in San Francisco is the the moisture in the air catches that ball, and you don't want moisture on the balls, and it dropped in into AT and T, and he was lucky to get that double. So so Dave Dave Roberts benches him because it was a high school play. It was, and there was a couple of things. Yeah, there was a couple of things in play there. Like, I mean, one, Dave Roberts is trying to send a message to the team, and at that point in time, they were really, really struggling. I mean, they were, you know, nine games out of first place at that point in time. That was when the lowest of the low during the season. He was trying to find any way that he could to light a spark under the team. And I guess what better way to do that than to make an example out of one of your best players, who I guess in Dave Roberts' defense was dogging it a little bit, maybe looking at his own magic. He thought it was a home run, as you mentioned, and it ended up being uh, falling in play. Uh, so maybe just an example of, hey, always hustle things out. Don't ever take anything for granted. So I think oh, it was yeah. kind of a double message there oh, from Dave Roberts. And, and uh, yeah, that was a, even as, as a rookie, he kind of did that. You know what? Ichiro is whatever. He's 90, 93. Yeah. If, yeah. if that guy, if it looks like a base hit, no matter what, he sprints to first base. It's, I'll tell you what about the guy. He, he was cold, and he was an a-hole to the press, but as a player out there on the field, that dude never took an at-bat where he did not take it seriously. And, and even a pop fly, he ran to first base as fast as he could because the guy might drop the, the easy catch. And he That's was, right. Never, never taking anything for granted. Another Chase Utley is a perfect example of a guy in that Dodger clubhouse who's played that exact same way his entire career. Never take anything for granted. And I guess that's what makes what Cody Bellinger did a little bit more alarming because so, you have someone who sets such an example like Chase Utley and to dog it like that is just not a good look. But so what so what did he do this time to get benched? Say again, Brian? What, what did he do this time to get benched? Well, he's batting one seventy once since May first. So uh that's not a good look. He's Ooh. up in really dragging down that lineup after being really the catalyst for their summer surge last season. I mean, he so was nothing, amazing rookie of the year. Nothing like dogging a, a base hit or anything. Nothing like that. Yeah, just no, nothing disciplinary. Hitting. Nothing wrong. And just just a lot of crappy hitting uh, from a lineup that doesn't need that right now. And Max Muncy, who's been his replacement at times at first base, he had two home runs today. He's actually tied with Matt Kemp for most home runs on the team. Jock Peterson is actually playing pretty well, and they've given him playing time. He had four hits the other day. So as of right now, uh, Cody Bellinger is the odd man out because he's just not producing. And Dave Roberts, some people did ask him whether uh, Dave Roberts, whether or not Bellinger would get sit down to AAA, which would have been unheard of this time last year. And Roberts says it's not something that they've uh, that they've thought of at this point in time, but he didn't totally rule it out yet either. So something to bear monitoring. Uh, Cody Bellinger, who was so great for them last season, has really not had uh, been able to duplicate that success so far this year. All right, real quickly, here's the longest answer in tonight's press conference with LeBron James and the media. Uh, in terms of your strategy going forward, no. That, that by the way, I edited the question <laughs> down by 30 seconds. This guy asked this long question about, hey, you've been 0-2 three times in a row with these guys in the past. Did that give you any insight about how to deal with being 0-2 again? Uh, in terms of your strategy going forward, no. All right, so <laughs> is it possible to be traded to the Lakers during the NBA Finals? Uh, you know, unfortunately it's not. LeBron's going to have to play the string out with the list of bums he has in Cleveland, uh, unfortunately. And what, what sucks, too, with Brian is like his, offensively, at least, his role players actually stepped up for him tonight. Kevin Love at 22-10, and 10, I believe. Uh, George Hill at 15 points. The problem was they just couldn't get any stops defensively for Golden State. And Kevin Durant had the quietest 26 points I've ever seen. And that's because Steph Curry hit a NBA Finals record nine three-pointers, with a few of them being the most ridiculous shots you've ever seen in your life. They were those, one- they were those long-range falling away. There's no way that's going in. Impossible threes that only he can hit. They're oh, amazing. unbelievable. Especially there was one in the fourth quarter, specifically where Kevin Love was raped all over him. He's falling north towards the sideline, and he literally throws it up. It looks like he was literally flinging it up, and it went straight through. Hit nothing but the net. Absolutely insane for Steph Curry, who was kind of the forgotten man. Three years ago, this was his team. Kevin Durant shows up the last couple of years, and all of a sudden, he's the best player on the team. And Steph Curry says, yeah, don't forget about me and my 33 points and nine three-pointers uh, here in game two. Well, uh, LeBron looked like at 0-2, unlike the prior times, they're going back to Cleveland. He looked like he stopped caring tonight. To a degree, and that's the, that's the crazy part. He looked like he stopped caring, and he still almost had a triple-double. He had 29 points, 13 assists, and I think nine rebounds and shot 10 of 20 from the field. So that tells you how spectacular he is. 
and how frustrated he was with a lot of his teammates, more specifically on the defensive end of the floor, where they were just giving up layups. I mean, this team is so great offensively shooting three-pointers, the Warriors are. You don't want to just give these guys layups after layup after layup to the tune of shooting 57% of the field. So I think LeBron James knew he was a little bit deflated coming off of game one, the way that it ended, and to see the effort defensively that his teammates gave tonight, uh, I, I, can, I can understand why he would be a little bit disengaged. Yeah, so it did, the Golden State has momentum like they have the last three years. So there, there you go. Exactly. So. All right. Uh, well, the FNA podcast is available on iHeartRadio or on iTunes. Kevin Figures is also part of the Petros and Money show on our, on our sister station, KLAC, your home of the Dodgers, uh, down the hall. All right. Have a good night. You too, Brian. Thank the, you. There he goes. El Caliente Sports Ball. We'll be back right after this with movies and have you seen a free couch. Super Hyper Local, also George Nori, when we come back. Super Hyper Local Sunday, back right after this. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Michael Chappé with the news. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. It is uh, the end of Super Hyper Local Sunday, and that's the most exciting time of Super Hyper Local Sunday because that means that Coast to Coast with George Nori is right around the corner, live for Sunday night. Here he is now, George Nori, everybody. Hey, Bri, how are you? I'm good. Good. We've got a great show tonight. First of all, we're going to talk about how dogs have the ability to smell disease from people and get them cured. It's an amazing story. And then later on, biblical prophecy. So we've got it all on KFI and Coast to Coast. And there's those dogs that can detect epileptic fits yes, seconds cancer, before. Yes, yeah. kinds of things. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. I'm talking to an expert on that. Yeah. We adopted a new dog, a Border Collie Aussie Shepherd. He has this amazing ability. He can smell cooking bacon from the other room. <laughs> Astounding. So could most people. It's, it's like they're <laughs> mental. <laughs> all right, George Nuri, I'll be listening. Thanks Bye. a lot, dude. Um, uh, all right, so uh, Solo is holding out, but it's fading fast. And why? Well, because it sucks the D. So, so in fact, goat D is what a donkey D. So you saw it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you take I your daughter? Here, no. I, here's, the, here's my tip. If you haven't seen Solo yet, but you have seen Deadpool 2, here's what I realized. You missed a lot of the jokes in Deadpool 2 because people were laughing. Oh. Go back. Instead of seeing Solo, go back and see Deadpool 2 in a, at a closed caption theater or in, you know, at 10 a.m. when no one's there. Watch Deadpool 2 again. It's like seeing it for the first time ever. And believe me, the second time for Deadpool 2 is, is more satisfying than the first time for Solo. That's what a uh, that's what a turd burglar that thing is. So anyway, but it's still, there's, it's still taking people's money. And when it comes out on Amazon or whatever, then of course watch it at home. But I, honestly, I wouldn't, I'm not going to blame people when they stop it halfway through. You go, oh, wow, look at the time. What is it, 8.15? <laughs> Let's finish this tomorrow. So uh, there's that. Well, I have a development for Have You Seen a Free Couch? Have you guys seen the ad? I, it's not for Gorilla Glue. or It might be for Gorilla Glue. I don't know. But the guy who plays Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec, um, the the guy that, that uh, Jake, uh, Jake Offerman? Nick Offerman. Everyone says they look like him. And, well, they can screw themselves. Um, uh, so anyway, he has a really funny character in Parks and Rec. He's a, he's a big gun nut, and he hates the government and the whole thing. He has that whole shtick. There's a commercial where um, he's driving down the street, and these people are throwing out a perfectly good rocking chair because one of the rockers has cracked, and, like, a piece of it's come off. So he uses the glue in the commercial Fixes the rocking chair. Then in the next scene, he has the rocking chair on the back of a flatbed truck. He's parked in front of their house, and he has the rocking chair on a flatbed truck with a little nightstand and a and a reading lamp. Was and Granny there? And he's rocking back and forth aggressively, staring at them in the window because they threw away a perfectly good chair that they could have just oh, fixed. It was, it. Oh. oh, it's so funny. I'll tweet it out. Uh, but I just saw it the other day, and it cracked me up. It was almost like you know our our, our sponsor. Or have you seen a free couch? Um, and so producer Joey Murata, he tweeted one out seven hours ago at hashtag have you seen a free couch. What's the story? It looks like a chair in an alley. Uh, yeah, I don't pretty, want that. Well, no, I mean, it's not, no, come on, man. It's, it's next to a 7-Eleven is what's going on there. Uh, yeah, on uh, Burbank in Vineland. Uh, you know, I think that's North oh, Hollywood. Right there, yeah. yeah, but I think it might be occupied because I saw like a half-empty pack of cigarettes next to it maybe. Or Ew. it might just be an empty carton of cigarettes. It looks know. like a smoker's chair. Yeah, I think you'd you know? be screwing someone over. It looks like a, yeah, a smoking it, spot. Yeah, I'm out on this one. Um, Josh Saylor, 
You're from uh, from your gated community. What are yes, you saying? Yes, from there? my gated community. <laughs> uh, actually, at the 7-Eleven near my gated community, there was a uh, on Fallbrook and Satakoy, there was a bunch of plastic chairs and a, a recliner behind next to the dumpster. They allow 7-Eleven in, 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 into your neighborhood? They do allow 7-Eleven. And they sell alcohol, too. Uh, Michael Chappay, anything? Uh, we had uh, apparently Garage Saturday, Garage Day sale on Saturday, and uh, I think it was a leftover, but it was a uh, standing lamp and, right next to a uh, little bit rusty but still usable barbecue. Really? That was on uh, Adams at Princeton. Oh. And it doesn't even have to leave. You can just go there and have the barbecue. I, I was looking at the lamp. I was seriously checking it out going, hey, what's wrong with that lamp? I love lamp. I love lamp. We'll be back uh, next Sunday for Super Hyper Local Sunday. Uh, Brian Suits out. Joy Murata, the producer, Josh Saylor in there, Michael Chappay. Uh, we'll see you Tuesday for ta- for uh, Tactical Tuesday with uh, Bill Handel at uh, 8 a.m. Also, I'm filling in for Gary and Shannon on Thursday and Friday. So there's that. We'll be back um, when I run back. It is KFI AM640. Coast to Coast is up next. Uh, more stimulating talk.